0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I
1: am Joey Christopoulos, and today's Believe in Bears episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NFL season, it's in the final swing. And you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, even their live betting app. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there was always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, week 13. The train just keeps on trucking. The Rock continues to roll down the hill. Bears lose 34-30 to 30 somehow to the Detroit Lions. They've lost six in a row. Cameron, what just happened?
0: Have you ever like gotten in trouble with your parents and you you go and you have to look like your mother in the eye and she says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And, I mean, like that's how I feel after this. I'm just like, I can't even believe that happened. I have no clue how that happened there was so much good so much positivity i was just like you know taking this whole thing in enjoying it i just had fun watching a bears game for the first time in a long time and then in like the final minutes when i was ready to just you know ride off into the sunset and say hey we're back on track snapped a win streak beat the lions like all is good i come to find out that all is not good in fact all is bad This is terrible. What the hell are we going to do, Joey?
1: It was like getting ready to do a pod and talk about Game of Thrones and how much we love the show before we watched the Red Wedding episode. And now we're just kind of staring at each other without any answers. It's out there on Twitter. The Chicago Bears somehow managed to Lions themselves versus the Lions. A 10-point lead just erased Mitchell Trubisky comes up with a fumble in the back end. They score again. We actually drive the ball down the field, get it to the 20 yard line. And then one of our best offensive players, one of the best dudes on our team, Allen Robinson catches the ball, just doesn't really have the field awareness and comes up short of the six. And then we fail on fourth and one bears lose. I want to talk about the offense because honestly, I think there's a lot of fun things to talk about the offense. And we're going to get to that in a second, but I texted you earlier. And you had a little time, and I'm going to put you in a tough spot. What the hell happened to the defense? I'm a Bears fan. I can only see so much. I see no pass rush. But then beyond that, what exactly has happened to this unit the last two weeks?
0: I wish I had a good answer for you, man. I've been thinking on this. You know, last week we could at least lean on, hey, they're playing Aaron Rodgers. They're playing the Packers. No Akeem Hicks. They're running in the middle. Like, that makes sense to me. This does not make sense to me. I'm looking back on it. I believe there was two sacks, which is fine. But, you know, the pressure just doesn't seem to be there. You know, Matt Stafford's running around making stuff happen, and we know that he's a talented player, so we can't take anything away from the Lions. But I just never felt like he was under any sort of pressure, any sort of duress. I don't know where this pass rush has gone. I don't know where the coverage has gone. There seems to be major breakdowns in the secondary. Guys, you know, having the opportunity to – to get into space at the second level and make big plays. It's just stuff that we're not accustomed to seeing. And so when you go out there and see that the Chicago Bears put up 30 points, every other week you say, wow, we did it. Like, that is for sure a victory. And somehow this week against the Lions, that didn't get the job done. And I'm just flabbergasted. I don't know where this defense has gone or if they just finally said, screw it, if you guys aren't going to do your part the whole – First half of the season, we're out on the second half because they have not shown up in, a, in two weeks.
1: The Lions were down Marvin Hall, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift, and somehow Quintez Cephas, you know, the Bears' version of Riley Ridley. If you want to know who Quintez Cephas, uh, his involvement in the Lions this season, that's basically Riley Ridley. He's burning us down the field. This Bears' defense now has given up 34 points, which we don't count the seven on the Trubby fumble last week that came back for a touchdown. Let's also just say maybe, let's even take one off the board generously this week on that fumble that Trubisky with an easy punch with Adrian Pearson. They gave up 27 and 34 in the last two weeks. And all of a sudden, right when this offense seems to kind of turn the tide a little bit, this defense takes not just one step back, two steps back, five steps back. And Cameron, this is cliche time. And let's just hit it right now. This is what happens to bad teams. If you want to figure out if your team is bad, when you make mistakes, they bite you the hardest. They come at the worst time. And then, of course, the balance of a defense that was playing excellent football the first, what, two, two and a half months of this season, an offense that was terrible. Now when the offense slowly maybe seems to be getting its bearings a little bit, this defense is falling apart. This is just what bad teams do, and I think the Bears are perhaps a bad team.
0: You know, for the first couple weeks when things were really close uh, and, and it seemed like games could go either way, and the Bears ended up pulling the victories out, We were making this case the opposite direction, saying, you know what? It may have been close and it may have been ugly, but good teams find a way to win. Maybe the case wasn't so much that we were a good team, but rather that the teams that we were playing were really bad and we were just able to, to catch the breaks necessary to pull out those close victories. Now that, you know, it seems like a little later in the season, teams have started to figure themselves out a little bit. Maybe the rest of the league is just kind of caught up and acclimated and the Bears just have not done so. Because I mean, you're exactly right. There's just stuff when you go out there and play a pretty darn good game, have a balanced offensive attack, limited penalties, not many turnovers. It just, you put up 30 points. You should, this is a game you should win. This is a game you absolutely should win on your home field against a team that you've owned and you just found a way to lose it. You're right. The bears, there's just not good because because a good, because a mediocre and okay team wins this game. I don't know how they didn't. It's just, it's, I'm not the one that gets heated normally. I don't understand this.
1: We're going to get to the offense in one second. Just one more question about the defense. It just seemed like in terms of pass rush from what I was seeing, you know, you got your initial rush, and then for whatever reason, once that clock got over two seconds with Matt Stafford, he had all the time in the world to throw again. When you're in those one-on-one matchups right there, I know you're an offensive lineman, but for a defensive lineman, at some point you got to eventually win that one-on-one, right? That becomes a scrap between you and the man. It's not just about your first or your second move. Now that's about you, dare I say, conditioning the will just to get to the quarterback and at least make it tight, close in on that pocket. It just continuously never happened. He had all day long to chuck the ball all down the field. And, you know, secondary, we could talk what we want about the secondary, but I just felt like they got – being put into bad positions over and over again with just extra time for Matt Stafford to just find that extra man. Marvin Jones burned us all over the field all day long. What can you say about just what it takes when, when you get in those trenches, those one-on-one matchups between a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman?
0: I think every second longer that the quarterback is able to hold the ball, uh, the odds of him being able to find someone and make a completion and make a big play happen, grow exponentially. So you're right. When you say like in these first couple seconds, you know, obviously being able to win your one-on-one matchups is huge, but every second that Khalil Mack or Akeem Hicks or Robert Quinn is not getting to the quarterback, not putting that pressure, a good quarterback like Matt Stafford who has big weapons out there is able to make things happen. And you could see him on multiple plays during this game directing traffic in the middle of the play. That's not the kind of thing that we oftentimes see as Bears fans seeing um, a quarterback who's got time, make things happen, calling shots. You could see him running with the ball in his hand, pointing, hey, go to the end zone. And, and he threw a perfect ball to Quintes Cephas. So, yeah, every single second that they're not getting home, for whatever reason, whether that be scheme, whether that may be, be effort, whether it be, you know, just whatever it is, every time that they're not getting to the quarterback, putting that pressure, the wide receivers have more time to improvise. The quarterback has more time to move evade get out of the pocket make things happen it just becomes harder and harder for for coverages to hold up for that long and I think uh, Matt Stafford being um, you know probably one of the you know I, I would say an underrated quarterback uh, he can obviously you could see what he can do when he doesn't have that pressure in his face that we expect to get from this Bears pass rush
1: this game was trending Cameron like it was going to be a feel-good game you know what's the old saying like the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. This seemed like the offense was clicking for a large portion of this game. I think they had over 380 total yards. The rushing tack looked fantastic. I looked, they had 86 rushing yards with like eight minutes to go in the second quarter. In the first half, I was like, all right, man, this is a great spot. They finished with 140 in the game. This is, the, this is the stuff I wanted to talk about. I was hoping to talk about on the pod, Cameron. Let's talk about this offense because they played with up-tempo. They did quick snap. They moved the ball around. Cole Komet got involved. There was some exciting stuff going on.
0: Dude, they did so many things in this game that I was just – I was geeked about. I was, like, literally sitting there watching this game, like, I wish I had someone to tell about, like, what, what is happening. Because they did all the things – not that I'm some sort of prophet or offensive mastermind, but the things that I'm always talking about every week, I'm like, that, that would make this team successful – They came out and they did all of it. They moved the pocket. They got Trubisky on the run. They, you know, were running creative stuff in the run game, all sorts of motion, uh, moving guys around and putting them in different positions. They were – I loved what they did offensively. This game was a dream uh, as being an offensive, you know, fan and just watching all the stuff that they were able to scheme up. And that's what I'm disappointed about is that this is what we've, like, been told that we're going to see from this Bears team. And they come out and they executed it. They played really well. Great balance, man. And you know, they got the ball in the hands of different players. They threw the ball efficiently. You know, I think this was probably their best game offensively in terms of being able to recognize what they can and cannot do. They don't throw the ball down the field particularly well, but they got the ball to guys in the right positions at the right times, utilize the right personnel. It was just an awesome game offensively. And I'm pissed that we don't get to talk about that in a celebratory manner.
1: And let's ground it for a second. It wasn't you know, an elite explosive offense, I would say, out there. But this was everything that was sold to us, as you mentioned, of what this offense could look like with Mitch Trubisky under center. You had Anthony Miller snatching passes, you know, maybe an accurate pass, but those big hands were bringing in receptions and getting yards after the catch. Anthony Miller was involved. You're rolling Cole Komet out. you got the two-headed monster of David Montgomery breaking tackles, getting in the end zone. Cordero Patterson cutting up, going north-south, picking up some really great yards. Darnell Mooney using his speed on the outside. Tempo, you know, get the, get back to the line. Call a play. Do a quick snap. Mitch Trubisky had three neutral zone infraction penalties that he was able to draw with his cadence. And you were right. Mitch Trubisky can't throw the ball downfield. We've established that. It's, it's fact. It's knowledge. It's reality. But 15 to 20 yards, he had a pocket and he had a time to complete some throws i I really loved his feet in the first couple quarter of the games like it had intention his feet were like planted and he had like a little giddy up it was it was so great to see and this is supposed to be something that we had that conversation well it's the lions or whatever but still again encouraging signs from this offense except for oh that terrible terrible mistake and then a couple other mental mistakes later in the last drive of the game
0: (laughs) it sucks it sucks because. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, honestly, from this group, I couldn't have asked for more. You could not have asked for more out of this offense, man. To to come out and to, to rush for 140 yards, pass for almost 250. I mean, this that's exactly what we wanted for. They got the ball in the hands of a ton of different players. Cole Komet scored a touchdown. You know, Alan Robinson made, you know, the downfield catches like he does. Not not way downfield, but those intermediate throws. We saw Anthony Miller make a big play. I love them utilizing Darnell Mooney's speed and saying, hey. We don't have the downfield threat because we don't have the arm, but throw the ball short and let him make guys miss. Jimmy Graham didn't necessarily make a ton of big catches, but I like the way they utilized him in the, in the, in the passing game. I noticed one cool concept I just want to point out where they had him line up out wide. They motioned him in to, uh, to the slot a little bit and then ran like a play action rollout. So he was like setting the edge so that Mitch could roll, right? It's just cool stuff. It's creative. And the more that, He's on the move, the more stuff that can happen. There was even a couple times, and it's not even a big deal, but there was one time where Mitch should have been sacked. He absolutely should have been sacked, and he scrambled and he gained four or five yards. That's a six yard loss two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever it is, you know? Today was fun, man. It was, did they win? No. But I at least enjoyed a lot of it and can at least point to something and say, that was cool or that was fun. So, yes, I'm pissed. I'm disappointed. At one point, I just went, what the hell happened? But I'm at least in – like, I had fun for uh, 57 and a half minutes or whatever it was of this game. So, you know what? At this point, I don't see where this gets better for the Bears, but at least this game was watchable.
1: I agree with you. This does not get better for the Bears. And In a crazy twist, I'd be remiss not to mention the Arizona Cardinals lost today. Minnesota Vikings won. They're at 6 and 6. They're now in the 7th slot. The Bears at 5 and 7 are still only a game out of that 7th slot. Minnesota plays Tampa Bay next week and we play Houston. It's actually still mathematically around. Now, I'm not saying that that is a reality, but I'll ask you this question. That offense today, if we had seen something, a version of that on a consistent basis this season, we would be going to the playoffs, correct?
0: Absolutely. If that if that a version of that offense shows up in three of these last six games, you know, I mean, like this has just been brutal, even in the wins that we had early on the offense wasn't there. So, yes. Yeah, so if this version of the offense and I'm, again, I know that this is the lions and that these numbers may be inflated to some extent, but it's not just the productivity. It's the creativity. It's just, this was just well-rounded football. This is a, a kind of game where the team can have success. I, and there's building blocks in this. You know, you can point to what David Montgomery did this week and say, hey, there's, there are things that we can build off for the week moving forward, or Cole Komet, or whoever the player is, you know. I, I just felt there was a lot of positive that could be taken away from this, and I wish that we saw this week four or week five, you know, and not week 12. It just, it's just taken so long.
1: And the fact we lost the game is just a microcosm as to what's really been wrong with this football team from the jump. You know, lack of balance, you know, lack of confidence, making decisions at the quarterback position. They ran the graphic today. Nick Foles, competition or not, two and five as a starter. His rushing yards, I think, as a team were under 70 points per game, where I think it's 17.9. And you just look at that stretch now and you're really just kind of scratching your head. And this isn't even really to pump up Mitch. This is just really more like what the hell happened in that section right here? And now we are where we are now with Mitch, you know, fighting for our lives, losing games late in the season. Losing this game today was so brutal, but so many games before it, you know, just losing today is just a microcosm of this roller coaster heart attack of a season.
0: We look at that graphic, and there was a point where I thought, why the heck did we do what we just did for the last two months, you know? And I understand that it's not that cut and dry, and you can never just do this whole comparative analysis of this guy versus this team and it doesn't work like that I know that uh, the transitive property does not translate to, to football all those sorts of things I totally get it but you know as a Mitch advocate from the beginning I mean those numbers were were very different those you know the numbers beyond just the wins and losses just the 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 effect on the running game the I mean it's just one quarterback there was clearly more effective when it came to Making this offense go—it just seems so evident. And uh I had a buddy pose a question to me today that's something that I hadn't thought about, but now I'm really thinking about it. And the question was, or I guess it wasn't even a question. He said to me, "Matt Nagy should lose his job, but he should lose his job because he gave Nick Foles the the quarterback job, which was not something that anyone would have thought to say a month ago or whatever. But now I'm like, you know, especially through the first three quarters of today." You know, I, that's not something that we would have even discussed, but now he, that seems correct.
1: Cameron, you've played in the NFL. You've been around egos that roam the environment that is the NFL. You don't personally know Matt Nagy, so you're able to talk about this. I do. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you're able to talk about this.
0: I was with Nagy.
1: Are you were with Nagy? Okay, forget For a me. couple weeks. But here's, <laughs> here's, here's my question, though, and it's sticking out like a sore thumb. Making Mitch Trubisky the starter in week one was completely disingenuous. In the back of his mind, he knew all along he had this dream fantasy that Nick Foles was going to be the starter, let alone the oversight that, as we've talked about for weeks now, the personnel on this team is built around a a player like Mitch Trubisky, a dude that rolls out. This offensive line, banged up as it is, is still constructed for that type of personnel. And yet Matt Nagy had this stubborn fantasy. My my football team be damned. My offense be damned that Nick Foles is going to be my quarterback at some point. He saw an opportunity. He pounced on it. Probably stuck around way too long because, let's be honest, after the Carolina game, we started losing football games with Nick Foles. It wasn't like, you know, it was even Steven, one win, one loss here and there. And now he had to go back to Mitch Trubisky running that, that dirty old offense that he ran in 2018, which probably drove him nuts. But, hey, we scored some points. We were able to win some games. That is so damning to me now because that's how it looks to me optics-wise.
0: I agree with you, man. It just seemed really fake from the beginning when it seemed like, didn't it seem like some sort of underhanded, dirty pol- political move to put like, Mitch out there and be like, hey, this is our guy until something happens
1: the whole thing the whole time that you bring Nick Foles in because he's not threatening enough to Mitch in the stature and you got to protect Ryan Pace's ego by giving Mitch a chance and then he becomes a starter because he earned it but deep down inside Matt Nagy wants Nick Foles
0: I hate half measures. And that's what the whole Nick Foles experiment was. It was a half measure. And you said that
1: at the very beginning of the season about, you know, one foot in one foot out. I kept asking you questions, you know, how long does Mitch, what's the leash, this and that. And you're like, Hey man, like this is a commitment thing. This is a confidence conviction thing. And everyone's got to be on board. Guess what? Behind the scenes, not everyone was on board.
0: I I don't want to be like, Hey, that's the difference. It's not that simple. It's not that cut and dry, but you're right though. You see the fractures of this whole thing. You see the way it can all come undone. When there's clearly not a consensus, not a consolidation, no sort of unity as to what our direction is, who our leader is, how we're going to operate, who's the guy. You know, at the end of the day, in sports, in football more so than in any other sport, you have to designate the man. Football, there's the man, okay? There are other sports that are that matter, but the, the, the load is shared and you can pass the rock around. Football, we need to say and establish from the beginning that – you're the man and our coach and our, you know, this, this system, they didn't want to commit to who the man was. And, you know, I just think you're right. That is damning for this entire thing because (laughs) I I, from the very beginning, if they would have said, Hey, Mitch is our guy, we're going to roll with him until the wheels fall off. And at at the end of the season, we were wrong. We're going to suck it up and go on from there. That's fine. But when you do this half measure stuff and bring in a guy that's, you know, good enough to push Mitch, you know, just, just maybe, just maybe, all you've done is put a seed of doubt in. You would have been better off bringing in a high profile guy to win the damn job or to take him out or take him out, you know, but this, that, this, is, this is no good. This is no good. And uh, I think we see that. I mean, I, I'm ready to say that Mitch has been the man all along. Is he, the, is he the perfect man? No, but he's been the better of the two men. And uh, and now we're losing games even with him at quarterback. I don't know what to say.
1: I don't think you're saying that he's the man of the future. I think you're just saying that he was the man for the 2020 team as constructed with the personnel that was created by general manager Ryan Pace with the guy calling the plays with Matt Nagy that put the offensive linemen, that put the receivers and running back and tight end in place. Mitch
0: was the man for this season. And you see that, like, even with the offensive line play, we complained about the offensive line is no good and that there's all these problems. Well, if you look at it, this is not the ideal offensive line. This is a banged-up group, and guys are in different positions, and they're making it work, and the sacks and the pressures are down too. Want to know why? Because they put a mobile quarterback in there, and they let him roll around, and they take pressure off of those guys. Man, this group is constructed for that guy. For that guy.
1: Hey, man, we're working through the shock. I think there's different levels through our emotional stasis here. Let me hit you with this. You're talking about the offensive line. Great for the offensive line in this game. B plus. Yeah, I B thought plus. they played super solid again. I'm liking this. I'm liking this lineup here.
0: This, yeah, this configuration works. They've two sacks allowed. Obviously, you never want to give up sacks, but it's it's a part of the game. You know, they threw the ball for 250 yards, they rushed the ball for 140. You can't ask for much more, man. They got into the end zone on the ground. The group plays well. There's limited penalties. I I, I can't ask for too much more out of a group without a, a real superstar on it and they're, and they're, making it work and they're giving this team plenty of opportunities. You put up 30 points on the board. You have done your job for me. Offensive line.
1: Yeah. We're grading a little bit on a curve. So I'm going to give them an a minus. If you want to ding, maybe anyone on the line, Jermaine Effetti had a, I believe a false star penalty on a second and down second and 10, which kind of backed us up in the third quarter. Oh yeah. By the way, we didn't score again in the third quarter, uh, Cameron, little uh, another running theme, at least we're consistent at one thing this season. And then Jermaine Effetti also was kind of, trailing the guy when Mitch uh, got stripped of the strip sack time for big picture stuff, Cameron. It's the sequel. I asked you last week in my personal opinion, after this loss, this loss is terrible on every level and very damning. And we're talking about it, but for whatever reason, I don't think you pull the trigger, but is Matt Nagy coaching for his job next week against the Texans?
0: I would say so to, to have lost six straight games, to lose a seventh straight against a team that you can beat, man, and, and, and it's one thing to lose in this fashion, you know. Especially okay, when you you get beat by the Packers, that's one thing. But to get sh- shellacked by the Packers, that's another. Especially coming out of a bye. And oh, and three ahead, lifetime
1: and buys, by the way, Matt Nagy never won out of a bye.
0: Okay, so that's that's not a good stat. So that sucks. To lose this one in this matter in this fashion, um a game that clearly was in your hands. I didn't, this is, maybe I was being naive. Maybe I was being overly confident, but I didn't realize the game was even close. You know what I mean? Like where you just feel like, Hey, this is going so well. And I'll admit I watched the offense more intently than I watch defense. It's just the part that's fun for me. And so I see us doing really well. And I just kind of assumed that, uh, that maybe it was a bit more lopsided than it was. I didn't even realize we could have lost get, this game. I was so, you know, just befuddled by it. So to lose, and and despite having played so well on one side of the ball, and, and to lose, I just think, yeah, your back has to be against the wall at this point. I think it's for sure coaching for his job. Last week
1: when I asked you, it was a little bit of a hot take just to see what your reaction was. This week it is completely reality. There are a lot of elements on the table right now that make this very easy for the McCaskey family to move on and make Chuck Pagano ride out the rest of the ship. First one is, as I mentioned, he's 0-3 in bye weeks as a head coach. Coming out of a bye week, he's lost every single game. That is just really hard to wrap your head around, especially when you're coming from the Andy Reid tree, who's very infamous for winning a lot of games out of a bye week. You're looking at losing a, a blowout loss, as you mentioned, to the Packers. You're talking about losing seven in a row. You're talking about losing two straight games at home. If you lose this week, you lost this week to the Lions, lose next week to the Texans, that's two straight games at home. And you lose to Deshaun Watson, a guy that your general manager passed on. I think there is no way Matt Nagy continues to coach this team after that week. I don't want to be negative and forecast something, but we all know it's trending in a bad direction right now. If they get to seven losses at some point, you just got to cut the cord. This is a business of winning football games. He's a nice guy. We root for him, but you get to seven. I think he's toast.
0: Yeah, I think he has to be, and you're right, this is business, man, and it's sometimes, and that's the hard part about this, sometimes there are so many things that you're doing right, like I think they took so many steps forward on the offensive side of the ball, but ultimately it's about wins and losses, it's about taking care of business and seeing that things get done correctly, and that ultimately the the, the job gets done, and you come home with a victory, and you didn't, whether that's on you, I'm not sure, but you have to take responsibility for everything that happens out there on the field. That is your job is to see that the job gets done. And it didn't, and it sucks. But if some things had gone right and you had taken care of them and handled them earlier in the season, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe we wouldn't you wouldn't have your back against the wall like this. But when you lose some of those games that you have no business losing, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple losses here, a couple losses there, we never should have been on a seven game lose streak or six game lose streak. So. Yeah, I mean you're you're coaching for your for your job and for your life and all of that because this team shouldn't have got to this position. This is this has gone on far, far too long.
1: It's crazy. I didn't see it coming, but this is just this is where we're at. And unfortunately with this Bears team that's just trending in such a poor direction, you know, that is something that is going to be obviously scrutinized, talked about, and then we'll see next Sunday if the Bears can come out with a win or if they lose whether we'll retain our head coach moving forward for the following weeks. Let me ask you a question because I'm sure there's some Bears fans out there. They're like me. They're ultra optimists. And they're saying, hey, you got them losing every single game. This season's toast. They're only one game back. They actually still could sneak in. There's an extra playoff spot, blah, blah, blah. Which scenario is either more likely or, in your opinion, more likely for the Bears to – because they got to win out. They got to get to 9-7, and right? So if they're going to win out in these next four games, we got Houston – Jacksonville, Minnesota, Green Bay. Which door would you probably say open gets you there? The defense returns to form, and the offense maybe doesn't look like it did today. Maybe a little bit of a regression. Mitch makes some mistakes, but they make plays with Mitch behind center. Defense returns to form, or the offense continues trending in this upper direction of efficiency and interesting play calling and tempo. And we're scoring points, but the defense continues this stagnation of just obviously turning into a walking sift of a unit.
0: As much as I love offense, I think it's more important that this defense returns to some some form of, of the defense that we saw earlier in the season because you can see – you can go out there and score 30 points and still lose games if the defense doesn't show up. Any week, if you would have told me that the Bears scored 30 against anyone, I would have said they won the game because I, I would have assumed – that the Bears defense showed up and didn't allow over 21. So I'm more concerned about the defense uh, getting back to their standard of football than this offense trending and continuing to play at that level or better, because I just think that's more important to this identity and this team. I, I think, especially in late in the season, and when you get into the playoffs, you know, you gotta start to, Buckle down and play that harder nose defensive style of games. That's what wins games in December and January and into the playoffs. I think that the defense getting back on track is the most important thing right now.
1: Would it be fair to say, albeit unlikely, if the Bears can continue to average 140-ish rushing yards a game, which it seems like they have the last couple of weeks, and the defense returns to form, they in theory could win each of their final four games?
0: Texans, Vikings, Jaguars, Packers.
1: So you got Watson, Kirk Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers. So the defense returns to form, which I'm right there with you. We need that defense to come back it's against Mike those Glennon. quarterbacks. I, don't, I only talk about humans. I don't talk about giraffes. Schrott's fired. I'm <laughs> sorry. I know you know him, but he brought me a lot of pain in my life. I can't wait to sack him many a time.
0: He, he bought me a Bose speaker, man. Still use that thing to this day. Did he pluck it off of a tall tree because he can only reach it? Because
1: he's a giraffe of a man. <laughs> he's a nice I'm gi- man. Okay, I'm giving it. Hey, he made millions of dollars. He, was he got paid. Bears, <laughs> My man got the bag. I kicked out of town, <laughs> and that's that's the penance for the millions that he made. 140 rushing yards a game, and the defense returns to form. In theory, we can win the majority, if not all, of the games moving forward. Yes or no?
0: For sure, they could. I mean, I feel confident that if they play near this level offensively and some semblance of the defense that we're accustomed to. Yes, they can, they can win three of the four without question the Packers game. They're going to have to be on their absolute best behavior to, to be able to pull that one off. But I do, it's not something I put past them. I give them a chance. They have a fighter's chance. So I I don't think it's out of the question. They can win all four of these games. It's going to take that balance though, because we've seen either the defense show up or the offense show up and it's uh, you know, you got to have both sides of, of, uh, of a team to win in this league. I don't know if you know that.
1: Yeah, I'm realizing that as this season goes along, Cameron, I'm beginning to realize the balance. And of course, if the Bears get to eight and seven, they're, they're playing for their playoff lives. They better show out or they don't deserve to go in that Packers situation at that point. Cameron, two questions before we get out of here. First one, just talk about that Mitch Trubisky play in the end. You know, did you like the play call? Obviously, he held on the ball too long as the pocket collapsed. It got swapped, swiped away. Honestly, nice play by the defense, but you just got to protect the football in that area at no matter cost. I, I felt like he should have had – I think it was a third and four, I want to say. I felt like he should have had an internal clock, one-two-step throw. If it's not there, kick it out of bounds. What did you see on that play?
0: Yeah, that sucks. You know, he held on the ball too long and uh, he made a bad decision, but you can't beat him up for too much for that. That's a strip sack, you know. the You got to hope that, that your tackle protects better and a Feddie – Broke down on that, and so the man gets into the backfield and is able to make a great play. But that's what it is. It's a great play. Sure, do you wish Mitch got rid of the ball quicker or or tried to escape the pocket or did anything else? Of course, absolutely. But hindsight's 20-20. I like that Mitch has a little bit more confidence, is trying to stay in the pocket, is trying to find guys downfield, is trying to make those plays. You know, there was a time where he was happy feet and was running around and getting scared. So, I think it's a good sign that uh that he's standing in there and trying to make that play. It just sucks that maybe he stays in there a second too long, and it's the biggest you know just unfortunate error ever. <laughs> well, the guy just, can't win
1: in this town, right He actually plays well and he's leading his team to a victory at thirty to twenty. The defense gives it up, and then, of course, he makes the one play that I'm sure everyone will be talking about, and everyone will say Mitch sucks when Mitch, in fact, did not suck in this game.
0: Not at all. Mitch Mitch played well. Mitch played well enough to win a game.
1: Cameron, final question for you. The Chicago Bears is a franchise. Let's talk about time frames. How screwed are they? (laughs) (laughs) What are we looking at here? How many years? What are we looking at?
0: How many years till what? How, what is, what is unscrewed? Well, by, so
1: here, here's my mind. pitch, uh, the general fan base. And now the actual elements that we're seeing on the field is leading towards the head coach, losing his job. In theory, the general manager is going to lose his job. Optimist side, looking at this is look at what's happening in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz right now. They gave him a ton of money. He is untradeable. The dead cap hit on him. If they want to move on from him is just murder. Jared Goff, played great today, but let's be honest, probably a mid-tier, maybe top 12 quarterback at best. I'm looking at guys like that from around Mitch's class that are already kind of signed up. The Bears aren't in that situation. They're going to move on from Mitch. I don't see any scenario where they bring him back, and I can also see a scenario where they get out of Nick Foles. So they're going to get a clean quarterback slate, which is actually a really positive thing to look at. You know, when they sign Jay Cutler, you're like, something goes wrong, you're like, oh, we got five more years of this guy. They're not in that position. They can actually move on. And start over and reset that clock. You'll have decisions on Akeem Hicks, you'll have decisions on Allen Robinson, probably a couple other veterans on that defense. But if we're looking at a complete infrastructure change, we're looking at a quarterback change, how long are we looking at here as a Bears organization till we could probably say that um, you know, there's potential, or we could be a playoff potential type team again?
0: I think it's hard to say how long till you are able to get back on the right track because we don't know what it is that's coming in next. But I think regardless, whoever it is, whether that be at the quarterback position, the head coach, the GM, all those pieces, which are going to be strongly tied together, you're still looking at a minimum of probably two to three years before you have an idea of really the trajectory of the team and where things are going.
1: Yeah, rookie quarterbacks, they don't make the playoffs, and that's okay. I mean, they they get out there, they see some snaps, they see some time. It rarely, rarely, rarely happens. I mean, Justin Herbert, we could talk about his fantasy numbers all you want, but they ain't going to the playoffs. Kyler Murray in his first season, not going to the playoffs. So we're looking at a situation where we do get a chance to start over. That is actually a good thing because the Mitch experiment after four years has not worked, and we haven't been duped into giving him money to continue this process of progression that probably isn't going to happen.
0: But then that the, a, that's probably the positive that's come out of all of this. Well, it's just that it's some oftentimes like things go just well enough that you get tricked into paying a guy. And, and that I'm, can really weigh you down forever.
1: Right, and that's what they did with Jared Goff, I'll be honest. I mean, Rams fans are going to hate that I say that, but guess what? He's a guy that you're going to win with, not because of. And I think we're finally getting to the point. The Bears are going to go out there and look for that guy one more time. But I fear that at this rate right now, we could be heading towards some dark days. Can we bounce back and finish eight and eight? Can we even go nine and seven? Can we make it in the playoffs? Sure. But, man, we're still going to be entering the offseason with tons of questions, tons of skepticism. There's going to be a heavy overhaul, hopefully on the offensive line, probably at the quarterback position. And we might have to make some financial decisions on the defense because that defense will be one year older. And as of right now, they're
0: not trending in the right direction. Yeah, the defense is costly. There's been a lot of money allocated towards seeing that they are up to par. And for a lot of the season, they've proven to be worth that. But I think that this team might be better suited reallocating some of those funds toward the offense and developing and trying to get some of those younger players on defense that are less costly up to speed and and taking on more of the burden of that rather than paying uh, some of these older guys so much money. You know, you might be better off developing some of these guys in house and kind of growing up that that system um, because the splash players you know that are going to maybe take this this group over the top offensive or are probably going to be on the offensive side of the ball we know what this team is on defense Uh, so I, I think that's where I would start come the off season is trying to check that balance and see what can we do to better utilize our money and better better utilize our resources.
1: With the way the Bears roster is constructed now, I know we're talking about a lot of moving parts, so it's really hard to say, but if you were in like the general manager's seat, if you were in charge of the Bears, I know you're a competitive guy, but would you be looking at it as year one, start over, get the pieces in place, year two, maybe get back to respectability, get to eight and eight, year three, make the playoffs? Or are you a guy that, are you a guy that can believe truly with this roster that they have right now with some tweaks, with a new quarterback, year one's going to be tough, but year two, you can actually probably get back in the mix, not be a Super Bowl team, but be back in the, maybe the mix for competing for a wildcard
0: NFC North. You know, I mean, honestly, this group, there's a lot of good pieces. And I, I think that there's a, I think there's enough on this team and on this roster that can be salvaged. I don't think this has to be a total rebuild from the floor up. What they need is a new infrastructure, but the pieces, a lot of those pieces are there and can probably fit into a new system. that can be better organized, better managed, better ran, but, you know they're you know they drafted some some nice young players we've seen guys that have come out and stepped up I like a lot of what we've seen you know some of these young players just need to be in that winning culture and to have the right guy at the helm so I don't necessarily think that this is a group that we need to go out there and do a total overhaul on to see any sort of long-term sustained success I think they just need the right guys and it's um you know, that finding the right guy is never easy. And I'm not saying, Hey, we're in the, in the draft, we're going to pick the right quarterback and get a new head coach and everything's going to be perfect. And they will be in the, you know, NFC championship game by 2022 or whatever. I'm not saying that. All I am saying is that this is not a group that I don't, that I look at and necessarily go, Oh, there's nothing here. Tear it down. I, I don't think that because this team was a, was a damn good team in 2018 and we've seen flashes of, of being pretty damn good, you know, on certain spots, even this year, you know, there have been times where it's like, Oh, wow. Like they, they can do that, you know? Um, So I'm, I'm not total teardown. I'm not total rebuild. I don't think that's necessary, but the key spots, there are very key spots that have to be right for a football team to be successful. And that's where I would focus. It's not, it's not a total overhaul. It's just key positions.
1: Also to play the optimist in terms of contractual clock, they're actually in, of interesting shape in terms of the offense. You know, Darnell Mooney's a rookie. They're going to have control of him for the next five years. Cole Komet's a rookie, control for five years. Montgomery, only year two, so control for at least three more years. James Daniels, young guy, will come back hopefully stronger. Cody Whitehair signed up. I like that. That's a pretty good start, right? Then you got Jalen Johnson, rookie, control for him for a while. Kyle Fuller for a little bit longer. Eddie Jackson signed up. Roquan Smith, still on a clock, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn. Those are That's a pretty good start. That's not a bad start. Now, of course, we haven't mentioned the quarterback. That's the million-dollar question. We're not here to answer that today, but we're kind of looking at – I'm with you. I, I, I don't think it'll be the teardown, the Trestman-type teardown that John Fox had to take over. I do think that they can actually kind of rebound and maybe utilize some of these pieces, these young pieces that they'll have control for the next couple of years and maybe reallocate their dollars in other ways, bring in different veterans and see if, you know, we can kind of maybe turn the engine back on maybe a little bit quicker than I'm sure bears fans are thinking today.
0: Well, I think if you, a good example is the start of the Matt Nagy era when optimism was so high and you know, the thought process was, you know, this team wasn't great 2017 they get five wins. But they didn't go out and just completely overhaul this team. They brought in new pieces. They built off of what they had, and they come out and have a phenomenal 2018. Matt Nagy wins coach of the year. Like there's there were pieces there. This wasn't a total total overhaul and it didn't happen overnight. There was a foundation. There was, you know, defensive pieces that, that were new. They were able to to build off of some, you know, they Matt uh, Mitch Trubisky seemed like a, a guy that you'd want in your locker room at that point. And and they kind of built off that. 2018, I think, was a good example. Now, they didn't necessarily sustain that success. They didn't carry on um, from some of the, the success and, and put people in the right positions to move forward. I don't think they've done a great job since. There's, there's something there. There are pieces there that are worth keeping and a foundation that, it, that, is, uh, that can be built upon.
1: And to your point, what's interesting about what you're bringing up is with Matt Nagy, when he came in, he had Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and he had Jordan Howard at first. And in that, that trio has since moved on. I think whoever would come in next actually would probably have a a younger, perhaps just as talented trio that he had at that time that was really, really integral to that 2018. I mean, Taylor Gabriel, we miss him dearly and what he's able to do on the field. He had a hard time staying on the field. 2018 Trey Burton was an X factor. I mean, he was borderline indispensable. He made the whole thing go and that didn't really work out, perhaps maybe whoever would come in next would have a better shot with the pieces of a Komet, Mooney, and Montgomery.
0: I agree, totally. And We've seen more of Comet as this season has gone on. I think that he's proven that he can be someone that we can trust and rely on. I love this kind of, I, I really do think that they've done a good job with this young group of, uh, of some of these draft picks. You know, have they hit a home run with everyone? No, but I think that they have done a pretty good job with some of these guys, and some of these guys that are, um you know maybe you didn't expect like like darnell moody has come out and is 25th wide receiver in his class you know he he looks great he's definitely someone that can be a, a part of this foundation moving forward I, I like these young pieces i you know i like daniels and cody Whitehair. i think those are guys that you can build off of on an offensive line i love roquan smith i think he's a total x factor in this league so like there's stuff there they have done some things right it's not a teardown it's not a total teardown it's just a matter of the big pieces that, that might need to be swapped out.
1: And you've been hammering this since training camp. So, I, you know, I'm telling I'm preaching to the choir here. It comes back to the quarterback. I mean, they just need to figure that out. And then all of a sudden, a lot of these pieces look a lot better when you're surrounded with a competent quarterback. My final one for you, this is a hot take. I want to get it on the record, Cameron, because I feel like we're going to be maybe talking about this in the future. Uh, if they do make a move from Nagy and Pace, I don't have head coach right now. Don't really have general manager, but I do have someone that I would like to have become the president of operations for the Chicago Bears. Would you like to hear it?
0: Please, please tell me. Hot take,
1: baby, because I don't think anyone's talking about it. Um, And my wife hates this, by the way. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers have a general manager named Kevin Colbert. He just signed a one-year extension through 2021. So in theory, he's contracted through April of next year's draft. You go and everyone says, hey, you got to start talking to the charter franchises, the franchises and organizations that do it right every year. Not just drafting, but structure and coaching and, and the solidifying of a one vision. And why don't you go to Kevin Colbert and go, hey, we'll give you more money and we'll give you a promotion. And why don't you come over and become the president of football operations? We'll let you hire your general manager. We'll let, even let you hire your coach. And let's just start bringing, I mean, honestly, let's go the Theo Epstein route and pick from, One of the classiest organizations in the NFL, and find the guy who's been there for years who drafts wide receivers off the trees and finds Deion Bush and Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, and why don't we just go give that guy a ton of money and just tell him to come on over and change the Bears?
0: I I love that idea. Now I can't I can't say that I know Kevin Colbert or uh, have much knowledge, I guess, of his. But you know the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You know the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. If, If that guy has anything to do with their with their pedigree and sort of. You know, there are just certain teams in this league that no matter what season it is, no matter the success that they're having, I, Pittsburgh Steelers are one of those teams that fundamentally I know are just, they're going to be solid. They're going to be rock solid. So, yeah, if, if we could just take someone like that and institute or and implement some of those things that they do, by all means, I think that's a smart play. That's, that's what you need to do a lot of times is go out there and find the guy that has the – experience in in building that result that you want rather than trying to develop all the time when you don't have the foundation to do so find a guy who has the experience in that realm, bring him in and let him build it for you. I think that's a great move.
1: You know what else is a great move calling it first when no one else is because when I'm right, six months later, this pod blows up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be rich, baby.
1: It's my pet fantasy. I'm now at the point. It's like, it's what I do with all my Chicago sports teams after night and I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to sit in bed my wife will be asleep. I'll have my eyes closed and I'll be thinking about how to change my team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in my head, no, don't sign Corey Davis bears. No, no, no. You're better than that. You can at least franchise a for, You know what I mean? I'll do stuff like that. And I just think
0: Corey, Corey Davis does seem like the kind of guy that the bears would sign this offseason. Oh,
1: get ready. Get ready. My friend, it's such a classic move. He's ready to be the number one. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity, Cameron.
0: Oh, great. I'm not ready for that.
1: I mean, we do all the prep, and we haven't been ready for this season. Cameron Bears lose thirty-four to thirty to the Detroit Lions. They are now five and seven on the season. I'm six and six on the season on my picks. You are eight and four. It's getting a little bumpy. Bears have lost uh, six in a row. They're going to play the Houston Texans next week we'll see what happens then we're going to come back though later this week with a great preview pod, and we're also going to talk to some great uh, houston texans believe in texans uh little interview later this week so make sure
0: you guys check it out cameron bring us home on a very very shocking pod. you've been listening to the believe bears podcast on the believe podcast network make sure you guys go out like subscribe share with all your friends and remember to always bear down